What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the January 25th edition of OTN's Level Up Live, your home for the hottest takes in gaming news. My name is Fiasco, but you can call me John, and I'm joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, I'm back. I'm not coughing quite as much. Uh, still coughing a little bit as we work our way through the end of this kind of dry cough situation at the end of the cold here. Um, but we're back. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different episode today, guys. Uh, John, I'll just go ahead and do the topic rundown now. Oh. Um, more or less, guys, we're going to switch up our formula a little bit, not dive as much into the platforms and into the positive gaming news, um, but talk a little bit about the negative side of the industry right now, uh, the state of the video game industry as a whole, per se, uh, diving into all these layoffs that we've seen so far in 2024. We saw a lot of them in 2023. Uh, the Almost the elimination of physical media is another big thing kind of going around right now. Diving into that. Uh, diving into how well the industry is doing on the sales side of things and critically acclaim-wise as well and how all this kind of spins together. So it's going to be a little bit of a different episode, probably a little bit shorter. You never know with John and I. We could end up going long in the end. Um, but it won't be the most positive of episodes. We don't have a lot of great news today. Uh, we will talk a little bit maybe about Pal World since both of us are in there. Obviously, that game doing record numbers right now. Um, but the heavy majority of this will be kind of talking about the state of the industry, both the good and the bad, as we kind of enter into 2024 here. Well, if you want more depressing gaming news, make sure you follow the show on Twitter slash X and Facebook, uh, Instagram, threads, whatever the fun stuff is, at OTN Media on threads and Instagram. It's at OTN underscore media. And while you're on the social media, whatever platform you want to look us on, up on, except for only friends. Uh, we are there. You can look us up, Joey, at Course I King, myself, at Fiasco. Uh, and you can follow us there for our live up-to-date takes as the news breaks throughout the week. And then you can hear our expanded view here on Level Up Live. And Nationwide, the live show on Twitch is the place to be. We do offer the show in the podcast form. Check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit, if you want to earn our eternal love and affection, we are very cheap. It just costs $4.99 or an Amazon Twitch Prime sub. Uh, so go ahead and use that on OTN Media today. Help us bring you the best content uh, this side of the Mississippi. Uh, yeah, we're in the D.C. area. How about that? Uh, east side of the Mississippi uh, here in the esports capital of uh, the East Coast. That's that's the D.C. area. We're going to keep running with that. Joey, we, we touched a little bit a little about what we're talking about today. Uh, get your uh, Depresso Espresso ready because uh, we are heading that direction. Uh, but you have not touched on your drink of choice. Uh, so what is going to be wetting your whistle for today's depressing episode of Level Up Live? Just some water. water Just some agua. Um yeah, I'm still taking like Dayquil and Nyquil and different things like that, so can't have any fun alcoholic drinks at the moment uh, for the sake of the liver. So right now, just sticking with the agua. No, no, I have to ask Joey as 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 a man who take who I know takes half a baby aspirin when he's in pain. Are you taking Big Boy Day, Dayquil and Nyquil? Or oh are you taking yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. kids version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, unfortunately, I it just treats <laughs> symptoms, though. It doesn't really, like, get down to the solving the issue. Yeah, that's um, true. But we are continuing to mask symptoms for weeks on end. So Woo, here we go. Healthcare. Let's not get me started on that, because that's why I'm actually pissed off outside of the, out, of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Joey, 
Ah, That's yeah, the after well, show. <laughs> that is the after show, right? Uh, there's not alcohol in here because I was too frustrated dealing with real world ish. Uh, so it's just Coke Zero once again. Um, my my try and true Coke Zero. Uh, <laughs> woo, woo, almost we're on a tangent there. Uh, Nation, we have our topics, we have our beverage. So we're going to get into today's episode, of course. Today's episode um, is, well, first, me live on Twitch uh, using the wrong uh, transition. Uh, but it is presented uh, by GamerBytes, bite-sized gaming news delivered weekly directly to your inbox as soon as that video actually plays. There we go. Look at that. We are working on all cylinders here today. Bite-sized gaming news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today at otnmedia.org slash gbsignups. Oh, boy, Joey. It's it's one of those days. I didn't even change the transition or anything. I My producer badge is going to be taken from me. Joey's going to fire me from OTN is what's really going to happen. We're moving T-spans in any moment now. I can feel there it. There you go. Joey, let's go ahead and hop into our main topic today. I will call it general gaming news. Let's go ahead and start off uh, with the state of the video game industry. Yeah, we'll bring some positive news toward the end, talk a little bit about what John and I are playing right now, maybe some tease some content to come in the future, but yeah, we're going to hit the negative stuff first. There's no way to sugarcoat this, guys. It sucks. Uh, the industry as a whole, I mean, really, not just the gaming industry, tech industry in general, uh, we've seen the housing market has had a lot of turnover as well. The economy in general, especially in the United States as well as abroad, is not in a great spot, and unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of people laid off as a result of that. Just to go through a few of these... Uh, I mean, guys, there's been almost 6,000 layoffs so far, and we're still in the month of January for 2024, uh, not to mention the over 10,000-something that were laid off last year as well. Uh, some of the big ones, Unity Software laid off 1,800 people. Twitch has already laid off 500 people, and there may be more to come. Playtika, 300 to 400 people. Discord, over 150 people. Uh, Riot Games, I think, was somewhere around 550, 600. Thunderful Publishing, who I love, Laid off 20% of their staff, which is about 100 people. Um, trying to scroll through here and look at some of the other bigger ones I know I'm forgetting. NCSoft was almost 100 people. Uh, Riot Games, to confirm, was about 530. Uh, Microsoft was the big one today, and one of the reasons we're doing this. 1,900 people uh, let go from Microsoft, mostly, mostly from Activision Blizzard. Uh, and we will be diving a little bit more into that one here today. Uh, I mean, John, overall, it sucks. It sucks seeing people lose jobs. Uh, I think as an aspiring person looking to maybe come out of college and go into the video game industry, this is not really a great thing to look forward to either at the moment. Uh, it's one of those things that everyone seems to love. It's one of the biggest forms of entertainment out there, bigger than movies, music, and sports all combined. Uh, the video game industry makes a ton of money. Unfortunately, that money, not enough to sustain a lot of these employees over the last couple of years. We did see a big boom during COVID. And sure, a lot of people were hired as everyone was stuck at home and more people were gaming. And now we're seeing a lot of that influx go outward uh, as we're starting to see some of those numbers come back down to reality. And unfortunately, that does mean jobs are being laid off as well. Yeah, and really, it you know, it's not like Joey was saying, it's not just the video game industry. It's, it's really the state of, of, of the American economy at the moment. Um, it's it's tough, you know, in, in the U.S. and for our international listeners, you know, U.S. news is world news, but in the U.S. no one pays attention to world news, which is a travesty. That's just neither here nor there, though. Um, you know, the 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 economy's bad. Jobs are few and far between, or they're just entry level and they don't pay enough. And this is really a trend that goes all the way back to the 2007 recession that the U.S. economy had. They haven't really 
ever fully recovered. And then when you throw in, you know, more economic downfall, you throw in a pandemic, you throw in, uh, you know, a lot of international things that have happened uh, throughout the time that have affected not just the U.S. economy, but the international economy, because the U.S. is heavily invested in international economics. Uh, it's this it's a it's a trend that's gone on for over, you know, for almost 20 years and it's never been able to become stable. And this is just another wave uh, in that instability. You know, yes, the, the merger between Microsoft and Blizzard Activision overall is a good thing. I honestly believe it's a good thing. I, Joey, I believe Joey believes it's a good thing as well for the consumer, for people who enjoy video games, for people who enjoy what Blizzard does. Microsoft is going to give them that opportunity to, to continue to be great. The issue with mergers, and it's not just in the video game industry, but in, in, in mergers in general, is you have those overlapping jobs. You know, you don't need two executive assistants to the president. You know, one of them has to go, and usually it's going to be the one that got merged into the company unless there's something absolutely crazy. So you have these you know, redundant jobs, unfortunately, from Activision Blizzard, and Microsoft has their people already there. Um, they're not going to get rid of their people, and that's you know the perks of being the company acquiring another company. I can speak from a personal standpoint as well. Uh, the company I work for outside of Level Up Live, um, we acquire companies all the time, and we do our best to place them, but there are redundant people that either we offer jobs at, at uh, other office buildings or they get a severance package, and, and unfortunately that's just the way um, business works in a capitalistic society. Um, and the video game industry here is, is no different, but it doesn't mean that the blow of 19 plus hundred, uh, workers from Activision Blizzard being laid off, you know, it, it still hurts. And then like you were saying, John, I believe that the, the, the total is probably well over 6,000 now, 25 days into January, 25 days into the new year. We're coming just out of the holiday season. It was four weeks ago, people. Literally four weeks ago to the day was Christmas, and now more people are losing their job. It is just a brutal, brutal way to start the new year. Yeah, I mean, guys, from press releases alone, we're at 5,900 employees let go. And that doesn't even include all like the smaller indie devs who may let go people. Um, PlayStation had a lot of layoffs last year that didn't really get publicized. So there's also all these ones happening in the background. Embracer Group is another one. We've heard a lot about them publicly, but that doesn't mean all the other little studios they have, because they have like 50-something studios now, are being let go as well. Uh, contracts are ending too. That's a little bit different, but a lot of those not being renewed across the industry. So there is a lot going on. As John said, it's probably northward of sixty or of 6,000, rather. <laughs> Let's uh, not do 60. <laughs> yeah, not 60 yet. At the rate we're going, though, I'm a little nervous. Maybe. Um, maybe. Hopefully we don't get there. But last year was over 10,000. This year already 6,000. Uh, in January alone. Uh, some of the stuff to look at here, and guys, we're going to keep this as real as possible. This sucks. It's terrible, but we do need to look at some of the numbers here. Uh, as John was saying, this is a common thing with mergers. Uh, mergers, typically 20 to 30% of the workforce is laid off because of those redundancies. A lot of that being in uh, different departments like HR, in different markets like marketing. Uh, community management is another thing with video games. Um, just because a lot of those roles, you're not going to have all these different marketing teams. You're gonna have a kind of one marketing team work across different segments. Uh, and marketing is one of the areas we really saw cut here. Customer service was another one that reportedly got a lot cut. 
Uh, unfortunately, a game was cut, the new survival game project from Blizzard, and we'll dive into that a little bit more later. Um, but the heavy majority of these seem to be from marketing, customer service, and community management. Community management in particular, not saying anything is worth more than the other, um, but I think that one really hurts a lot, and we saw it with Bungie's cuts when PlayStation cut over at Bungie. Uh, you're trying to communicate with your players of what's going on, and you just cut the voices the players are used to hearing from. Uh, and I think that makes it a lot harder. And we're seeing some of that now with some of the Call of Duty teams as well. Um, yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. But again, 20 to 30% is the typical when these mergers happen. Microsoft did keep it below that number, uh, considerably below that number at 14.5% of about 13,000 employees at Activision Blizzard. Now, again, we're still in January. There could be more cuts coming. Um, I, typically the way Microsoft does it in the past, at least the past couple of years, they've laid everyone off early on and then they don't do any other layoffs throughout the year. So hopefully that's the case here. Um, but anything is possible as we continue working overall, this is 8.5% of Microsoft's gaming workforce, uh, which is to, which is now over 22,000, uh, dropping to about 20,000 today. So again, it doesn't soften the blow. It sucks. People lost jobs. It's terrible. Now they're going to have to go into this giant pool of, 6,000 some people plus now looking for opportunities throughout the industry. Um, but they did uh, find a way to keep that extra 5 to 15% that typically gets cut in these mergers as well. So again, not giving Microsoft credit, um, but I'm glad that we do see more people keeping their jobs and typically in these situations. Uh, some of the big cuts, John, and we can dive more into these. Uh, we did see Blizzard President Mike Yabara. He was not laid off, but he decided to leave the company alongside many of these employees being laid off. Uh, we also saw Chief Design Officer Alan Adam, who was, uh, he's a co-founder technically, but really the founder of Blizzard over there, uh, also leaving the company. So some big hits there with Mike kind of stepping into the shoes over this past year of that new president role at Blizzard. Uh, after everything that kind of went on with the shifts of leadership over there. And again, someone like Alan, who's been around the company for so, so long, also a very, very big hit there um, from the chief design role. Alan has said he's going to stay in gaming and he's going to move around to continue to mentor young developers. We don't know what Mike will be doing yet. Yeah, I'll be honest. The the Mike Yabera move was was interesting. Um, Yabera, for, for just rec like record purposes here, Spent 19 and a half years at Microsoft um, before going to Blizzard in 2019. And it was late 2019. Uh, so like he got there right before the pandemic. But still, we're talking a, a guy that was corporate vice president of Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass, and Mixer. A guy who was corporate vice president of program management for the Xbox platform. A guy who was uh, the partner studio manager for Xbox Studios for, for, for years. I mean, he's held... Just going through his LinkedIn real quick, I mean, systems engineer, senior director, a uh, senior director of OEM division, general manager of Windows Seven. Y'all remember Windows Seven? That was him. Uh, general manager of Xbox Live back in two thousand nine. I mean, he's been a part of Xbox history from the get go. Jumps to Blizzard, gets gets reacquired essentially by Microsoft, and then steps down. I mean, if anyone could have led the charge with this merger, it would have been Mike Yabera. Mike Yabera. I mean, he's the one that has the understanding that could kind of explain to the Activision Blizzard employees what Microsoft culture is going to be like going forward, what to expect, who to contact. He wasn't that far removed. So that one was a little shocking when I heard that he was stepping down. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things. He again, he was not laid off. He chose to step down here. You don't know if there were internal conversations over there. There have been rumors in some of these articles coming out today uh, that Mike maybe didn't get along with some of the Blizzard employees. And some Blizzard employees, when they were doing the interviews with Xbox, may have asked for a shift in leadership. Not saying they wanted Yabara gone, but maybe they wanted another voice up there at the top as well over some of these teams. Again, all speculation kind of going off some of the articles we're going. These are not our direct sources. Uh, with that being said, Mike recently at BlizzCon said how much he loved being a Blizzard and how much he wanted to be there for the long haul. Uh, he also super happy uh, when it came to Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard originally. He was very outspoken that he was excited for the deal. The team at Blizzard, very excited. I mean, we saw Phil, Sarah, Matt and them go out to Blizzard and Irvine. Huge party with all the coworkers, uh, all the new coworkers in that sense. Everyone was super excited. And I think to some degree, and there was always nerves out there, there's a lot of excitement, but plenty of nerves as well. When these deals happen, like we said, mergers, there are typically layoffs. Uh, unfortunately, 1900 is a very big number for layoff. Uh, this scale, it's not quite as big as typical. Um, but again, it's still a very, very big number. And to see someone like Mike, who, as John said, had that leadership role, both at Blizzard for a short term, but also at Microsoft for a long term, could have been the perfect glue to kind of situate things there. Um, but unfortunately, Whatever the reason may be, maybe it's just Mike's reason of wanting to be in solidarity with his coworkers being let go. Uh, he did decide to leave here moving forward. Yeah, just uh, taking a look at the Reddit message boards because I love getting reactions from from com the community. And what better place to get live reactions than Reddit? Because mm. um, it's not an absolute disaster over there. Uh, comments on Yubera's departure. Being the president of Blizzard feels like the war chief of the horde. Um, which if you follow World of Warcraft, they have gone through multiple leaders in multiple expansions in a row. Meanwhile, the Alliance sitting pretty. Um, turns out employment was the Blizzard survival game all along. Uh, that's actually kind of funny. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some people are wondering if Metzen's going to take over. I don't see that happening. Um, but, but, but nonetheless, I just think... You know, again, not to give credit to rumors or anything. I mean, obviously, we want to wait till more information comes out there. But it just, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I in a lot of mergers, you want to have that person who has experience on both sides, if it's possible, to ease that transition because it is a it is a period of uncertainty. It's it's a big period of uncertainty uh, for a lot of people. Uh, and I can guarantee you that the, the 1,900 people that were laid off from Activision Blizzard had those unsure thoughts in their head since the merger was originally announced throughout all the legal battles of what's going to happen to us if this goes through. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. It's very weird with the Yabera stepping down, with Mike Yabera stepping down. But at the same time, you know. I mean, it's it's hard to find any kind of, of silver lining in any of this. Um, you know, what does this do for Blizzard? No one really knows. Uh, what's Microsoft going to do in terms of leading the Blizzard team, uh, which has a ton of massive live service games uh, that are currently being played by millions and millions of players around the world? Uh, it it leaves a lot of questions. There's more questions than answers. Uh, with the layoffs and Yabera stepping down. So I, it's tough. It's tough. 
All right, and like you said, there's no silver linings, but we're going to yeah. try to put whatever we can in here. One of the nice, uh, nice is a terrible way of putting it, um, but with Microsoft being such a big company, the severance packages here are a lot better than a lot of the layoff ones we have seen. Now, again, <laughs> that is the tiniest of silver linings here. Um, it, it's, again, very unfortunate that people are losing their jobs, um, but it does seem like the pipeline, as far as severance goes, there's going to be a lot of pay. There's going to be continued health care. Uh, there will be opportunities for job interviews and training. So hopefully uh, we do see some of these people get picked up sooner than later. Um, but again, just a very small silver lining and all the negatives here as well. Um, I'm not going to read all the internal memos, but there are a few that went out. Phil Spencer was one of them. Uh, we also saw a few more come out as well. Um, Matt Booty, I think, had one. We had one from the publishing arm of Activision and the leadership over there. If you guys want to check those out, TheVerge.com has a really good piece on it. They're quite lengthy, so I'm not going to read them all completely here. Um, but I do recommend that article over on The Verge. I believe it was Tom Warren that wrote it, if I remember correctly. Um, but you guys can go confirm that over there as well. Oh, and here on The Verge article, the new Blizzard president will be announced next week. Yes. Uh, so yes. hopefully by next week's show, we'll have an announcement for that as well. And hopefully more positive news as well, because yes. unfortunately these layoffs are not over. The number is over for now, at least. Uh, the 1900 will stay, but it sounds like people are still being told tomorrow and maybe even Monday uh, with some of the Asian arms of these particular branches. So again, the heavy majority were with Activision Blizzard. There were some from Bethesda and Xbox let off as well. Um, I think the Fallout 76 community manager was let go from the Bethesda side of things. Um, I'm sure a number of other people as well. Uh, we also saw... Um, I think it was the Xbox physical publishing division. So the people who were in charge of kind of the hard copies of games for Xbox, it sounds like that may be outsourced. Uh, a number of other customer service reps as well from the Activision Blizzard side, it sounds like that will be outsourced as well. Uh, and unfortunately, again, Microsoft kind of being a lead here uh, just because of how big they are. But I do think this is going to be something we see a little bit more as we track more into AI as well with a lot of these bigger companies like your Amazons, like your Googles. Uh, it's going to be super unfortunate. And I'm very curious how we as a society in general are going to react to AI taking more jobs and how we're going to adapt to that um, just for the survivability of the human race. I mean, it sounds super dramatic, but in all seriousness, uh, as jobs continue to go away, how will these people continue to support their families? And I think that's going to be a bigger question, not just for the gaming industry, but for just all industries as a whole, as especially those tech-driven industries begin to adopt more and more AI. Um, I think the next thing to hit on here, John, is probably the survival game. Uh, I know that was something you and I are always stoked for new Blizzard IPs. Um, some of them land well, some of them like Warcraft Rumble probably could use some more support. Um, but other ones have done extremely well and we're hoping to see a revival from stuff like Starcraft, uh, that is rumored to possibly be in the works. Unfortunately, one of those other games that has been announced, but was still listed as an unannounced game was Blizzard's new survival game. Uh, we've heard a lot of different things with this game. Some people have said it's been quite fun to play behind the scenes. Others like this article from Jason, um, of Bloomberg, Jason Schreier came out and kind of tore back the scenes a little bit and the article we're showing here live is from insider gaming going off of that bloomberg article because bloomberg blocks people from reading if you read a certain number of articles yes. over there which absolutely sucks so we are reading it from insider gaming over here um but it sounds like the engine was a little bit of a development hell situation and we've seen this throughout the industry as well uh ea forcing people on the frostbite engine now we have this it's kind of a mobile game engine synapse uh that project odyssey the survival game was based on and again, while internal playtests were fun and there were six years of development behind the game, 
it sounds like this game's engine was causing a bunch of issues and ultimately led to one of the biggest reasons for them canceling the game in the end. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, Blizzard IPs rarely miss. Uh, and, and this one was, well, I mean, Overwatch, but uh, that was because they, they neglected it. Uh, but but th this one, you know, survival games are very popular. Uh, you take a look at Power Worlds right now. Like, it, it's Pokemon and survival is... is it's Pokemon and, and Ark, I should say. It's it's literally those two games combined, but without the brokenness of Ark and without the image and likeness of Pokemon, supposedly. Uh, so it's it, it's a very interesting combo. But survival games are, are always popular. You know, you survive in a really weird scenario, and if you die, guess what? You get a, you get to restart and do it again. You can't do that in real life yet until AI takes over. Um so yeah, it, it it sucks. It sucks that we're losing uh, another original Blizzard IP uh, because of engine issues and it being stuck in development hell, uh, which is a real place. Um, I just it, it it sinks, and then on top of it, you announce that at the same time of you know laying off nineteen hundred people. Uh, to me, it's like, are you trying to hide the fact you're canceling the game with the announcement of the nineteen hundred people being laid off? Or are you just trying to do a massive, just bad news dump in the month of January? Uh, either way, it, it's not good and it doesn't feel good as someone who enjoys Blizzard games uh, and, and the creative people that work at Blizzard and, and, and their creation. So, uh, yeah, it sucks. Um, but, you know, maybe this frees Blizzard up to work on another original IP that they're working on that's not taking as long, that has newer and fresher ideas, maybe working on an already established engine um, or, or whatever. Uh, you know, hopefully there's, there's some kind of silver lining in all of this also with the cancellation of this. But nonetheless, if, if you're a member of the team that's been working on this for six years, it's not a good feeling. You lost colleagues and then you lost the game that you've been working on uh, for six plus years. So that's, that's a very, very tough day there for Blizzard. And it's always tough to see games like this canceled as well. I mean, yeah. people have put six years plus of their lives into this game, uh, into the designs of this game, into hoping players will eventually play this game. And now, six years later, they're not with a job anymore, and they're not with their project eventually making its way out, assuming this does not get recovered later on. Uh, it's just super unfortunate. Uh, a lot of this, again, came down to engine trouble, and internally, a lot of these player or developers rather working on this game said to their colleagues at Blizzard, said to the higher-ups that they would like to port this over to Unreal Engine, uh, an engine that more people are familiar with. It's more widely adopted throughout the industry. Um, but instead, similar to that EA situation we mentioned earlier, the senior stakeholders had instructed them to stick with this mobile game engine of Synapse. Uh, unfortunately, mobile games do make a ton of money, uh, for better or for worse, and a lot of people want games to be available on mobile. And it's most likely Odyssey was going to be one of those games that could be played on PC, could be played on console, and could be played on mobile. And that's probably why they pushed this engine. Now, with that being said, we've seen success with games like that, right? Like Honkai Star Rail, uh, Genshin Impact, the Hoyoverse kind of games with Mihoyo have done extremely well running in those mobile game engines. But not every game is meant for that. Uh, I mean, you look at Blizzard and how the success they've had with World of Warcraft with Overwatch, with StarCraft years back. Uh, they've had so much success with their IPs that have been able to be PC-first IPs. And even today, I mean, look at Pal World. It's still on Xbox consoles, but so far, most of our sales numbers we see coming in are from PC. There's still so many sales to be made on a PC. 
while again it's not growing at the rate mobile gaming is i think there's still plenty of success to be had there uh, and it seems unfortunately those senior stakeholders at activision were pushing more and more for this mobile game and that i don't think is something you can blame on xbox or microsoft either um, because this happened way before if this game was in development for six years it's not Microsoft coming in in the final bell here saying, hey, let's move everything to the mobile engine. Uh, this is more similar to that EA situation where they've kind of been forcing that mobile game engine along uh, for a few years at this point now. I hope this is not something we see continue at Microsoft or continue across the industry as a whole. Um, but it is something I think as we see mobile games continue to boom out there, we're going to see more and more different publishers push toward those mobile game engines. Uh, and I think hopefully cloud can step in if it can be adapted more, if we can see stronger cloud servers, maybe we can move into builds that don't necessarily have to be in native mobile game builds, but because cloud and these 5G networks and such get stronger and stronger over time, maybe we can see more of those console and PC builds become the norm on mobile as well. Very unfortunate though, John, I unfortunately, I do not think we'll ever see this IP. Uh, similar no. to Star Wars 1313, the Bounty Hunter game that I really, God, wish would have came out. Uh, the StarCraft FPS game I really wish would have come out. Uh, unfortunately, some of these just buried deep. Uh, one of the positive little tidbits we got out of this is that some members of that team, while many were laid off, some were moved on to other new and exciting projects at Blizzard. So we do know at least there are multiple new unannounced projects going on over there as well. Now, the projects could be an event in Overwatch. The projects could be a brand new IP. The projects could be the revival of StarCraft. We really don't know. Uh, we just know that multiple projects are where some of these people did end up moving to as well. Wow, this is depressing. Okay, uh, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about some of the positives that could come out of this and how to kind of shape the industry moving forward. Uh, one thing we've seen Microsoft adapt, and again, it did come out to help a lot of people in this situation, but not all of them, uh, is unions. Microsoft, one of the first ones in video gaming to approve unions. Uh, we did see a lot of those people who were in unions that were protected by this. Uh, the other benefit of union is if you are laid off, they can argue for those severance packages. Now, again, Microsoft gives a pretty good severance package to begin with, but a lot of these other companies, I think, is something we really need to see employees, especially QA testers, move toward unions in. Uh, when you're looking at trying to protect yourself, whether it be the, you can work from home. No, you have to be back in the office. Now you have to move across the country to be in an office. Uh, versus something like this where you're laid off and the severance packages come into play. Uh, for many of those different things, even the sexual harassment stuff at Activision Blizzard years prior, uh, I think a lot of those are very good situations to argue for a union. And I think it's one thing we're seeing more and more people stand up for. We've seen Bethesda, uh, a number of players over there, union or developers rather, unionize. Activision Blizzard, we saw one at Raven. Uh, we saw another one I think it was High Noon, uh, as well as some at Activision Blizzard. So we've seen different union groups start to pop up, and Microsoft has said they are accepting them. Now, again, Microsoft is in the minority right now accepting those unions, and I really think it's something that if I'm working in the industry right now, that is what I push for as a developer, especially QA. QA developers are working insane hours. I mean, we have some people on the OTN server who used to work QA or currently work QA at different companies. The amount of hours they work is absurd and sure the pay is decent but you're living like a crazy person uh looking at screens for hours on end and constantly trying to find bugs and the repetition of it all uh, and you almost grow i'm not gonna say you grow to hate games but there is definitely a you have to suffer through this to eventually become a de developer mindset to it and i think again not that unions eliminate that completely but i do think they can bring more stable conditions both in these situations of layoffs but as well as day-to-day -day life for a lot of these developers too yeah, and, and unions, you know, 
there's a good side to unions and a bad side to unions, right? So, you know, unions, obviously, more security for people who work in the industry. Um, but that, that normally comes with an increase in, 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 in product good, in goods. Because, you know, one thing they do fight for is, you know, better raises, better benefits. And companies have to go around, you know, making, you know, trying to figure out where that extra profit's going to come from. And, that, and that's fully acceptable. Well, I'm not, I'm not anti-union. I'm not pro-union. I've never been a part of a union to full, full, full disclosure. Um, but it's just one of those things where unions are great, but unions do have a, another side to it also. Unions can definitely help with the whole layoff situation. Um, I honestly am not sure what unions would do in the sense of a merger. Obviously, they would either uh, state their approval of the merger or state their disapproval of a merger. Um, but that would you know, add another wrinkle in, in, into mergers, per se. And then, you know, the obviously 20 to 30 percent layoff that generally happens. Um, but for the consumer, you know, you're excited because, you know, all these great talented people get to stay uh, with that company, but it also makes it harder for that company to weed out the bad people who some that may have slipped past their screening or maybe are just burnt out and now they're just, you know, they're not working. They've been kind of like, you know, that I, I don't even want to say that the term quiet quitting since it's like a, a popular catchphrase right now. It's just more like they just they just have given up and don't even do their job. They, they don't they don't work their wage, if you will. Um so uh, they just they're just kind of there and unions make it harder to get rid of those people as well that may be dragging down morale uh, in the workplace or or making things complicated or just aren't good workers. Uh, that's a, a downside to that as well. But again, overall, unions tend to be better um, in most cases, when, obviously job security. But again, uh, it also comes with higher paying benefits, which again is great if you're in that union and you're in that job, uh, but it does get passed down to the consumer. Whatever good it is tends to be statistically higher than a uh, non-union product, if you will. Um, So, I mean, again, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but like it's just other things to think of uh, when, you know, people want to push for unions, which in most cases, unions are good. I I will say that from my personal experience with people I know in unions, they do tend to work truly in favor of the employee against toxic or manipulative employers. So, yeah, there's that. But there's, you know, just presenting two sides here uh, for everyone. But, But, yeah, unions would be a great way to provide more security, especially in the gaming for game workforce. Um, and we've started to see trends of that too in the last couple of years. Uh, smaller group, smaller developers unionizing um, throughout the industry, and and it's great and it's celebrating. You know, it's that job security. It's it's ensuring, you know, their employees are treated right. That work life balance, like like you were saying, Joey. Like you don't want to work eighty hours a week, mm-hmm. right? I I had a job where I worked four days a week. And it was 10 hours a day. I really worked closer to 14 hours a day. And those four days absolutely killed me that the three days I had off were used to recover from four brutal work days. You know, a union in that sense would have been great. Granted, that company was also pushing anti-union, uh, you know, propaganda at the same time 
Gotta love those 3 a.m. anti-union propaganda meetings. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's you know, I, I'm 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 going off topic here. But yes, unions tend to be good. We've seen a pattern that way. Probably would expect to see more developers and gaming studios go the union route going forward, especially with how crazy 2024 has started out with. Right, and I think it makes it harder for, let's say, the developer that's making hundreds of thousands of dollars already, right? Like, I think the person who's really going to benefit is the QA testers, is the social media managers, is the community managers, these people who are maybe not making the highest of dollars, but are on that more grassroots level. They're asking, or being asked, rather, to work these extra hours. They're being asked to come to these other events. They're being asked to find out why the achievement in this game is not popping when something is triggered that are being asked to go to these community events, be there as the support, be there socially interacting with the community for hours on end at different conferences and such. Uh, I think a lot of those employees are really where these unions would come into play. And a lot of the same positions are ones we saw let go today, unfortunately. Uh, Again, the marketing side, I think you could argue for unions there as well. It's a little bit of a harder argument uh, than some of these other QA and community positions. Um, But at the same point, again, those are something that is typically going to be let go in mergers. Uh, Super unfortunate regardless, though. And hopefully they do land on their feet sooner than later. Um, I think one of the crazier things about all this in general, John, uh, is just how well sales are doing across the video game industry. Uh, CEOs continue to make big money. Presidents, C-suite in general, continuing to make big money, get raises, cost of living, and beyond. Um, And we see crazy critical acclaim just in January. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, up in the 90s for Metacritic and OpenCritic. Tekken 8, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, all up there as well. Uh, We see games like Pal World. Now, again, that's a little bit of an anomaly, I would call it. It is a smaller indie game. It didn't have a very big budget, um, but already selling over 8 million, probably 9 million copies at the time of the recording. I would not be surprised. Uh, And that's just on Steam alone, not even including Xbox sales, not including all the players coming through in Game Pass. And whatever that deal with Microsoft is to get them paid, whether it be hours played, whether it be number of players downloading, I don't know what the deal ended up being, um, but they're making buku dollars. And again, they're not the ones being laid off or laying off in this sense, um, but it is a time where we saw 2023, one of the biggest, best years in gaming, uh, again, not for employees, unfortunately, but for the sales. We saw crazy sales. We saw crazy player engagement numbers on a monthly basis. Uh, We saw critical acclaim across the industry in 2023. It looks like it's going to continue in 2024, probably 2025 as well. Um, But as someone working in that industry, as someone trying to find where to put your passion in, and then to continue to see these layoffs, whether you're a new employee trying to break in, whether you're a veteran employee trying to stay in, uh, it just gets harder and harder. And it's tough to watch different people in that C-suite continue to make more and more money, continue to see these sales grow, yet we're seeing more and more employees laid off as well. Yeah. And they're also getting record bonuses every year that they give themselves. And it's it's hard. You know, we we talked about it here on Level Up, too, how a lot of industries were struggling during the pandemic. But the video game industry was starting to boom, you know, in correlation with the fact that, you know, live sports were were canceled uh, or postponed or just suspended until people figured out what in the world was going on. Um, Concerts, same thing. So. The, the money that people would use for entertainment was now technically kind of freed up, if you will. And because of that, people reverted back to video games. Or if you were already a video game player, you kind of doubled down on it. And we saw record growth in terms of people playing video games and purchasing video games and sales overall. 
and then you know you're seeing these numbers, and we're talking about some of these crazy, crazy number numbers, and it was all over your your finance TV, your CNBCs, your your uh, Bloomberg's, your Wall Streets. Everyone was talking about the great video game boom, and you know, is it sustainable post COVID? Is it sustainable post pandemic? Uh, and and now you know, here we are in kind of a post pandemic world. Obviously, COVID's still around. But, you know, we don't have the same restrictions anymore. Things are, are quasi back to normal. Uh, and, and we're still seeing those sales continue to boom with increased pricing for these same video games gone up roughly 10 to $20. Uh, we're seeing bigger and bigger profit margins. We're seeing bigger and bigger bonuses given out to that top 1% in these corporations, in these businesses. And then we're starting out 2024 by talking about almost 6,000 people being laid off in the industry. Uh, so, yeah, it's a head-scratcher. You know, you kind of sit back and go, you know, did a guy who's worth $800 million really need a $20 million annual bonus? Or could that $20 million maybe have been, crazy idea, $5 million? And you used $15 million to keep 1,900 employees working at your you know, company that were actually beneficial to your company. And that's something too is, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier and I wanted to hit it on it there. So I'm going to make a loop back here real quick. Laying off the people that deal directly with your consumers, I have always thought is a terrible idea. Uh, if, if you are talking about the front line of your company, who makes your company known? It's not the CEO. It shouldn't be the CEO. It shouldn't be the president. Those people deal with like the the administrative side the the money the budgeting the the whatever they're not the people that are dealing with the gamers on a day-to-day -day basis it's your it's your community managers it's your customer service team you know you talk to anybody who played world of warcraft back in the vanilla and and um burning crusade and wrath of lich king days and, and you talk about their experience dealing with in-game gms that are actual Blizzard employees in the customer service team. You know, that has been cut and absolutely gutted. But you could get in-game help and assistance messaging a GM in-game almost immediately. Almost immediately. Like, it was great customer service. That's one thing that Blizzard was fantastic about in the early and mid-2000s. And now that's completely gone. You submit a ticket and you'll hear a response. You'll hear a response in 24 to 48 hours. And you're just like, you know, okay, cool, great. But what if my guy's stuck? What if, like, I'm, I'm literally stuck in the game and I cannot move my character? Logging out, logging back in isn't an option because my character is glitching and it's not moving and blah, 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 blah. It, it's just, it, it blows my mind that, that you get rid of the people that are the voice of your company when a customer calls in and they have an issue or a question or maybe they want to make a purchase and they call into your company. What if uh, the you know community managers putting together uh, groups, uh, putting together like uh, contests to bring people to your game, helping with the helping with the marketing push? The marketing team just puts together a marketing program. They don't implement it. That's the community managers who will implement that vision. Say. Hey, look, you know, we want to go out and make tournaments. We want to have this push. We want to, you know, oh, we're going to do a free weekend of play for the new WoW expansion. 
get your friends to come out and play, and they can play all the way up to level 40 instead of the, instead of the original level 20 cap, which you can get to in five minutes now. That's the kind of things that, that the CEO and the president don't have to worry about. That's the lower-level people. I've never understood why you cut the lower-level people that deal directly with your consumers because all it does is create frustration for the consumer. I can't get my issue resolved in a timely fashion. I'm waiting days, if not weeks, to hear back. You know, and it's not just the video game industry. It's it's general industry across the board. It's 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 companies across the board. It is taking longer for customers to get a response to get their issue resolved, and it's all because the people who are making millions of dollars at the top somehow think cutting customer service. Cutting community engagement is the answer to all problems, and it's not always that simple. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to numbers, right? Like, if I cut these people with salaries that are living in higher expensive areas in the United States, in Europe, then I can outsource it to somewhere like in India, where we've seen a lot of different companies outsource their customer service to, because there's these giant call centers in India, and you're not paying as much money for them. And it's super unfortunate for both the people working there in India, um, but also the people being cut here. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of companies, again, not just the video game industry, not just the technology industry, but many industries in general, continue to outsource that because they're just seeing the numbers. They're seeing how much money can be saved, what the stakeholders, what your stockholders can look at is, hey, we ended up making much more revenue and cutting down our cost because we outsource this customer service. <coughs> now, on the back end, I think that has the impact you're talking about. You don't have those personal relationships. I can't talk to someone in India on Twitter. I mean, I can, but I can't have these personal conversations with people like I can a lot of these community managers with games right now. Uh, a lot of the time, it's who's next in the call center. I'm going to get randomly sorted out to whoever's in that Blizzard queue versus me going online on Twitter, on X, on Facebook, whatever the case may be, and saying, hey, reaching out to that games account, reaching out to that game studios account, that actual community manager, and being like, hey, man, what's going on here? Why do we not have new armor pieces? When is our next bit of content coming? And maybe they don't answer directly, but at the same point, they can funnel that feedback back to the team. Hey, we have a lot of people asking about what our next cosmetics are going to be. We have a lot of people asking, are we going to get DLC for this game? When can I tell them something? What can I tell them? And I think cutting out that line of communication, similar to what you're saying, John, does leave a void there. Yes, you're filling it with call centers, and yes, support will still get taken care of, but that care, that personal affection, that personal relationship really gets cut out in a lot of these situations. Yeah, and, and you, know, you mentioned reaching out to like social media, and this is what blows my mind, right? For, for you and me, Joey, using social media a, a, as a way to communicate with businesses to get something fixed or or to do something, it's normal. It's normal. But for our Gen X and for our our boomer brother and sisters and and grandmas out there, uh, it that's not how things work. It's you either do work in person or you do it on the phone. Uh, I just pulled up my my Twitter account here and went through my my DMs because uh, I remember an instance I had late 2023 where I had to get something fixed. With United Airlines, uh, you know, I sat on hold for 45 minutes. And I was like, why am I on the phone on hold for 45 minutes with United? I pulled up the Twitter app and literally said, DM, I said, boom, hey, I got a fight here. 
This is what I need to fix. Been on hold for whatever. Can you help me? It was done in 15 minutes. 15 minutes via DM on X or Twitter, but yet 45 minutes on hold on the phone. I couldn't get anybody. I couldn't get that rep in India. I couldn't get that rep in California, Texas, Canada, or wherever else their customer service center is. It literally took 15 minutes through Twitter DM. And for some people, they don't like doing business that way. They, they don't understand social media, the older generations. So, like, for you and me, it's normal. But what happens if they were to cut that staff? That 45-minute wait on the phone now becomes an hour and a half. And I can't even go on to Twitter to alleviate that, that line on the phone to, to solve that issue. I'm, I'm trying to utilize it. And virtual chats are absolute BS. They're all AI already anyway. So I'm, there's not a real person there responding to your, your, oh, I see you're searching on our site. Would you like help with our virtual chat? There's no one there. There is no one there. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, similar situation. It snowed here recently. Um, yeah. My ISP went out for like 10 minutes. Uh, I was like, I could stay on the phone, but I just sent them a DM on Twitter. I was like, or X rather. Uh, I was like, hey, the internet's out. Just reporting it. Not sure if you guys already know about it. I got a message back like five minutes later. Uh, the girl was like, hey, I'm actually in your area as well. We noticed this little spike. It should be back up in a few minutes. It was like, perfect, done. It took like under 10 minutes. Like you said, John, I mean, that could have been 30 minutes in a waiting for a phone call. Uh, that could have been texting back and forth and waiting on a robot to answer that. It's just one of those things that having those representatives there, having those representatives uh, that live throughout the country that know the actual product that is being given, not just from a manual, but knowing it intimately, uh, I think is something that is really going to be missed here with a lot of these community managers being let go. Now, the other thing here, continuing with the same theme, but switching it up a little bit, I don't know if we fully have an answer to a lot of this stuff yet. A lot of this is just us guessing. We can suggest unions, uh, but the other big thing is cost of games, right? We've seen the consumer cost go up from 60 to 70. There's talk of some companies wanting to raise it to 80 or 90. Um, and I really hope that doesn't go through as a consumer. Um, but it is one of those things that these companies are trying to find out how do we pay for these games? I don't remember which games it was exactly, but it recently came out that some of Sony's games actually lost money. Some of their big ones, I think it was like horizon zero dawn or, um, forbidden West. One of the horizon games I think was one of them. And I don't think it was God of war. I don't think it was the last of us, maybe spider. I don't think it was Spider-Man either, but it was another one of their big IPs, right? These huge Sony games that everyone thinks, Oh, amazing. This game's going to do extremely well. It's going to sell really well, but they're not looking at the development costs of these games. A game like Horizon, a game like God of War is costing a ton of money to make behind the scenes, and it's taking tons of time. Uh, I mean, a lot of these games are now costing not three years of development, but five to seven years of development. Cyberpunk was another one. Tons of time in development for that game, and then the game wasn't even ready when it came out after those seven years of development. Starfield is another one. Yes, I think Starfield is great. Yes, it did have its fair share of bugs, but it was another game that spent like seven to ten years in development, and we still end up with a game that's not fully ready, and who knows what it made. Uh, and it's one of those things where I think at this time, we as an industry, as a video game industry, as the developers, don't really fully know where that margin is. They can only raise customer prices so much before people say, hey, screw gaming. I'm going to go watch more movies because I can do three at the cost of one game. Uh, I think we're also going to see developer jobs cut like we are now. And why we're seeing a lot of these industry trends is because the cost of having all of those developers on these projects and these projects lasting years upon years, it's just becoming an insurmountable amount of money that eventually that money is not being made back. 
Maybe because these games go to a service like PlayStation Plus and Game Pass. Maybe because they just are not as widely accepted on a market. Maybe it's because they just lasted so freaking long in development and these developers are making a decent amount of money uh, when you add all of them up over those years. And I just, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I think the closest answer we've seen so far is stuff like Pal World. Again, a little bit of anomaly there, but all these indie developers popping up with much smaller staffs, with much smaller games, that maybe only the experience is five to 10 hours. Or maybe it's an experience that's very multiplayer focused like a Vampire Survivors, where it's not gonna cost a ton to make, but the replayability is there because of the roguelite aspects of it. Like it can be replayed very easily. Again, I don't know what a full solution is, but I think games like your big epic God of Wars, your Horizons, your Spider-Mans, and again, I'm just naming PlayStation games because they're more well-known in this sense, uh, but on the Xbox side, you can look at Starfield as a great example. You can look at Fallout, maybe Elder Scrolls. Um, these games take a lot of freaking time to make, and they cost a lot of money, and I think right now, that's one of the big reasons we're seeing these layoffs is we're just not seeing the return, or the game developers, rather, are not seeing the return they originally expected on some of these. Yeah, and, and, and really when you think about it, too, is you take a look like, like at a game like Power World, right? Obviously, there's a lot of bugs. It's still in beta. It's not a full release, right? Joe, you and I have played our fair share of, of alphas and betas, right? I honestly don't think any of the bugs from Power World is, is really that bad, right? From mm. the ones I've encountered so far, they're, they're pretty much on par. So, so for you to sit here, well, not you, but just theoretically, for, for you, the, the gaming industry, you know, to tell me that a AAA title that has been in development for seven to ten years can be released with the same amount of bugs made by a smaller company with a fraction of your staff with a fraction of the budget, and it's almost identical when it comes to the amount of bugs and issues that you have. To me, there's no excuse. And again, I said it in earlier episodes, and I'll say it again. This is a direct result of live service games and the internet. You cannot fix a game when it's shipped out on an N64 cartridge. You cannot fix a game when it's sent out on a standard CD on the PlayStation or on the Xbox. But as soon as the internet became a thing and you were able to update Games, even from physical media, through just random patches pushed out, I firmly believe this, and I apologize for any developers listening to this that, that, that may feel like their feelings are going to get hurt here. They became lazy, is exactly what it, they have discovered. And, and, and we as consumers, as gamers, are part of the problem, too. <coughs> we have accepted the fact that we're going to pay $80 for a game that's 70% finished with a crap ton of bugs. We expect it now. I mean, you listen to every, you listen to the hype around Star Starfield. Like, oh yeah, this game looks great, but it's Bethesda. It's going to have bugs. It's going to have game breaking bugs. The hype around the game was was uh, pardon me, the bugs about the game were just as loud as the hype around the game building up to the release. That's not a good thing. Like, Bethesda's known for great games, great storytelling, and bugs. They're a AAA game studio. But an indie can do whatever they want. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm not trying to compare the two. But indie developers have more on the line. That game can make or break a studio. 
and a team of 12 people can put together an absolute masterclass. But a team of 20,000 people will give you a 50% finished game and then sell you the next 50% as a two-part DLC for another 40 bucks twice, uh, four years apart from each other. Looking at you, Destiny. Um, so I just, it's, it's just the state of the industry It's in itself. It blows my mind that we as consumers are fine with with AAA studios half-assing it, for lack of better terms, and putting out a game that's 60% complete, and these indie studios are kicking butt with a fraction of everything that the AAA studio has. Uh, that's just where we're at in the industry at the moment. Yeah, and I think vice versa, look at the consumer side of things, right? Like, I don't yeah. want to blame gamers here completely, but we had people arguing about the state of the blade of grass in Far Cry yes. 6. Like, you look at stuff like this, and then you're pushing teams to develop their art, right? We want photorealism. We want the best, prettiest-looking games. And I think part of that, it's sad to see the indie art kind of eliminated from some of these bigger companies. And thankfully, uh, I mean, Microsoft and PlayStation have done a good job allowing some of these more unique art styles, like Ghost of Tsushima on PlayStation, South of Midnight on Xbox, uh, to kind of give some of these unique art styles still a place in the AAA industry. Um, but again... As customers push for these bigger cost games, these higher quality photorealistic games, it's going to take more time to develop them, and that's going to continue to raise these costs. The other thing you're looking at is from the side of, I mean, it's, just, it's such a mess. It is such a mess. Um, I mean, just consumer pushing in general, I think that is one big aspect of it, um, just from the art side. But I mean, you could look at all different sides of that coin as well. Um, yeah, I kind of forgot my train of thought there, but it's just, it's frustrating to see. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things where I see, the length of game is another great example. Uh, we see so many people saying all these games need to be 30 plus hours. You have like Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. People are mad that it's around the same length as the first game. The first game was like a 6 to 10 hour experience. I am like, thank God this is 6 to 10 hours. There are way too many games available on services like Game Pass that I don't have time to play because something is going to take me 30, 40 hours to play through it. I am beyond happy when there's an indie game that comes out that is 3 to 4 hours, that is 5 to 6 hours of playtime. Yes, Lord, please give me that game. That is exactly what I want. Um, and I think that's another issue here that's costing, that's pushing the cost up, pushing the time up of development. When we have to have photorealistic games, we have to have games that are 30 to 50 hour playing or experiences. Not everything needs to be that long. Not everything needs to have 100 side quests. Not everything needs to have the prettiest blades of grass. And I think as consumers, we need to be a little bit more respectful to developers that want to try unique art styles, that want to give you a great handcrafted experience. Maybe it looks great. Maybe it plays great. Maybe the story is just excellent, but it's in a package of five to eight hours. It's in a package that's 10 to 15 hours. It's not in a 50 hour package like in Assassin's Creed. And I think a lot of people uh, from a consumer gamer perspective need to realize we're going to start getting these smaller games. If we're going to want people to stay in their jobs, if we're going to want to continue to get games at a reasonable price, we're going to have to see the game development time get cut down and the cost of some of these games get cut down in general. And if we keep asking for all these crazy things, the costs are going to keep going up, the time of development goes up, and then eventually that consumer price goes up as well. So it's just, it is a lose-lose situation if you keep asking for more. Yeah, and I think also as consumers, we need to be more vocal about things we're not happy about, right? Agreed. Um, I, I feel like, you know, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, people just complain on social media. Yeah, well, you know, that's where everyone communicates right now, okay? I hate to break it to you. Um, YouTube channels, 
social media, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, X, threads, whatever, uh, that's where people go to get news and information. The, the days of people turn, tuning on Good Morning America, uh, if you're watching morning <laughs> news, there's a good chance you might be 55 or older. Um, and uh, that's that, that's a generalization. I know plenty of, of people our age, Joey, that, that, that do that. But nonetheless, um, the, the whole thing is, is, is the whole Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like absolute no pun intended fiasco that that was. Um, I, I'm sorry. Like they made record profits off of literally a game that was supposed to be an expansion. People, you paid full price for an expansion. Like, for a six-hour camp... Okay, it's probably close to eight. An eight-hour campaign. You paid $80 for a multiplayer game. That's crazy to me. That's absolutely crazy that you would pay that much for a game with that little substance. I mean, and, and you can't sit here and be like, oh, well, they're supposed to make money somehow. Yeah, ask Riot Games how they made money. How much did I pay to download League of Legends? Zero. <clears throat> how much did I pay to download Smite? To, to play Heroes of the Storm? Zero. They're all free to play. Was Heroes of the Storm free? Or was that? Heroes sorry. of the Storm was free, yeah. Was did free you ever download Smite, though? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I played Smite for a little bit. Yeah, oh, there a little you go. Time. But... <laughs> These are all games that were free. They made money off of microtransactions. Thank you, Fortnite. Thank you, Epic Games. Thank you for showing that you don't have to pay $80 for a video game to make money. You can make it by tricking the consumer to say, oh, it's only five bucks. Oh, it's also only five bucks this time. Oh, it's only five bucks this time. Because in the moment, it's five bucks. It's not, oh, this is my seventh time this week of just five bucks. That's how that's how consumer mentality works. It's in the moment. And that's smart. So don't sit here and tell me you created an amazing game. We're going to charge you full price for it and then get ticked off when all the reviewers trash your game. And then public figures in award shows trash your game and you get butthurt over that. Uh, don't get upset when the overall community makes your game the butt of the community because it is what it is. You charged full price for an eight-hour campaign and a multiplayer game. Yeah, people are going to buy it, and that's where I put the blame on the consumers. Stop buying crap content. Simple as that. To this day, I still refuse to buy any new Call of Duty games because the campaign is garbage, the story is terrible, and the multiplayer is not any different than the last two multiplayers for Call of Duty that came out. Maybe some tweaks here and there, but you're going to sit here and tell me that they couldn't just use the same engine because they used the same engine uh, for the new one and just add more maps. Like, are you as a consumer happy that you spent all that time and spent all that extra money on top of the $60 for the base game, all the extra money you spent in to get operator skins, gun skins, everything else in there, you put all the time in there, just have to go pay another 60, 70 bucks to get another version of the game that looks identical, but it's launching with three new maps. Just put those three maps in the other multiplayer, call it a day. Simple as that. It's ridiculous. Stop shelling over money to lazy developers 
that are tricking you with their marketing and advertising because that's what they're paid to do. Well, if they don't work for Microsoft and Activision Blizzard at the moment. But, but yeah, it just that's what blows my mind is, is we as consumers are so caught up on FOMO. Oh, we're going to, if we don't get it at launch, we're never going to get it. Joey, I still don't have Baldur's Gate 3. I would love to play Baldur's Gate 3. I want to play Baldur's Gate 3. But you know what? Right now, I don't have time for the game. And with other things going on in, in real world John's life, I don't have the disposable income to pay for a full price game at the moment. So those are things that people take into account. Stop just giving developers money for bad products. Be vocal. Go on social media. At them. What are they going to do? Block you? Is that? Are you going to lose sleep if, if Mike Yabera blocked you and you were criticizing Overwatch 2? No. You're not going to lose sleep over that. You're not going to lose sleep over any of that. You're just going to make another fake account and keep doing it. Well, that's, that's all you got to do. Just to loop back around to reiterate, Sorry. we are fine with six to eight hour games. Uh, it is yeah. when they are an expansion upon something that you're paying a full price for, right? Like, yes. if it's a six to eight hour game and that's how it's advertised, sure. I mean, I don't think that would sell it. $70, $80 personally, I think that'd be closer to that 30 40 price point. Mm -hmm. uh, but with that being said, something like Modern Warfare that advertises a new Call of Duty every year, you're expecting more than just a reskinned multiplayer. Uh, this really felt like a... I mean, really DLC, an expansion pack per se. Uh, yes, we did get some new maps. Yes, there are some things that were retooled, but it definitely felt like a new skin more than a new game in general. And for that campaign to be the, as short as it was, six or so hours for a lot of people, uh, it is very disappointing to pay that full price for something that does end up like that. So again, it is a little bit of a different situation. Um, but just to clarify what John says, uh, it is one of those things that we got to, as consumers, argue our point. And it's the same thing here with layoffs, right, to the other end of things. If we're seeing community managers let go that we thoroughly liked interacting with, that we thoroughly thought made the game in that community a better place, now is the time to be vocal. Go out there. If it's Microsoft, tweet at Sarah Bond, tweet at Phil Spencer, tweet at Matt Booty. Uh, if it's PlayStation, there's plenty of people over there. Nintendo, all these big developers, everyone has these people up in the leadership roles that we can tweet at. Now, will they answer them? Probably not. Uh, will it make an impact? It's possible. And it's one of those things you don't really know until you're vocal about it. But we have seen things reverse in the past. Uh, I mean, just with Microsoft being one of the big topics today, the Xbox Live thing, when they were looking at changing the price of Xbox Live and raising it, uh, it is one of those things that was reversed, possibly. Some people think it was a conspiracy theory. Um, but a lot of people think it was reversed because of the social media outrage. Same thing here. Do I think people are going to get their jobs back because of this? No. Um, do I think maybe things will be considered a little bit differently in the future? Possibly. Uh, it's one of those things where we as consumers can speak with both our social media accounts and also with our wallets in these situations of how we choose to support these companies moving forward. Okay, John, we've talked a lot about negatives. Um, <laughs> we are coming toward the end of the show. One thing I think we will address, we can do it a little bit more in the future, is physical sales. Uh, this is not just a Microsoft thing, but it does seem like Microsoft cut a lot of their physical sales team, maybe the whole thing today, uh, on the gaming side. Uh, it's a trend we've seen since Xbox One. Microsoft went a little too hard into it uh, in the Xbox One generation, thinking a lot of people would be fine with digital. While they're a little early to the game, uh, that has been the trend. I don't have the number in front of me, but I think reports are like 80 to 90% of video game sales at this point are digital compared to physical. Do I think physical is going to go away? 
Unfortunately, yes. I do think we're going to move more into digital sales across the board. I think physical is going to become more of a collector's thing that we have stuff like limited run games running it. I think it's going to be these third-party offshoots uh, maybe sent over to other countries like India, China that are cheaper to make uh, that we do see eventually get produced and come back. But again, I think it's going to be few and far between. I don't think we're going to see disc players set in new consoles next generation. Maybe we do, but I think most of those are going to be attachments. We've seen PlayStation moving in that direction. Uh, based on the leaked images of future Xbox and the refreshes, we've seen them moving more digital as well. And I think it's just something that the industry is going to move forward to. Now, as consumers, and again, in that same vein of what John was talking about, I think DMCA is a very, very big argument. What are our rights as far as digital media? Can someone just close off a game and say, hey, you purchased this in 20 2009, but it's no longer downloadable because of these licenses. And I think that is going to be a very, very big argument, not only in video games, but in music, in movies, as digital becomes more and more the norm, as we're already seeing, what are those rights for us as consumers if we've made purchases? Can they be taken away as easily as we have seen in the past? And I think that is the big thing to really push forward as we move into this digital age. This is the iPhone kills the headphone jack moment, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, Bluetooth is the future. No one uses wires. Uh, I mean, John, I mean, that was even the argument um, with wired controllers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in the uh, um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 era was that switch from, you know, wired controllers to Bluetooth controllers or or whatever other signal they used. Um, that was really controversial also. Uh, and now here we are talking about physical uh, discs and physical media. I mean, Apple and the headphone jack, they were right. I mean, I don't know anybody that's like Ari was, oh, I missed my wire. No one misses their wire. Let's be mm -hmm. real here. No. Um, I don't think people are going to miss physical copies as much. I do agree with you. I do think the limited run uh, for like super special editions or something like that will, will still continue. Um, but you're going to pay a premium for it. If you want a physical version of the game, uh, you're going to have to pay for it. And at the end of the day, it's just... You know, as much as I enjoyed standing in line at GameStop at, at 11 p.m. <laughs> at night for that midnight release, I would much rather download the game three days earlier, and then when my system clock hits midnight, I just press A and it loads. I mean, the um, other thing is, John, I don't know if I'm sure you experienced at some point, is scratch discs. Yes! Man, I hated when a disc got scratched and then it's just unplayable and you're screwed. You have to go, like, trade it in or get it buffed out or whatever. Uh, the other thing is the preload. It is yeah. so nice just to preload a game, and when it hits that 8 o'clock, like you said, you're not standing in line at a GameStop. You're literally right there at your TV, at your computer, and you can play it instantly. I am all for digital, but that digital media stuff is scary. Like, I'm seeing yeah. some of these older games, and again, it hasn't been as prominent on Xbox as it has on some other platforms out there, um, but seeing those older games go away, whether it be on Steam, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, as these games kind of get phased out, as these licenses expire... What does that mean for me as a consumer who purchased something who doesn't unfortunately have that physical media to put back into my player at this point and I can no longer download it from a store? It's tough. I don't have an answer, but I think that as a consumer is where we're going to have to try to find answers over these next couple of years. Because again, I am willing to, I am very confident that the next set of consoles will probably not have a native disc player. At least the Xbox, I do not see it having it. I would be surprised if the PlayStation does, especially given PlayStation's put even less into backwards compatibility than Xbox has. I just, I don't see futures with the physical media in these next console generation. Agreed.
So guys, that is the question we're going to leave you with. Um, but John, as we wrap up today, what are the games we're playing? I know uh, we both talked a little bit about Power World. I'm just beginning to dabble into Power World. I got caught up with being sick and then trying to play a little bit of catch up. Uh, but you have been over there catching, I was about to say Pokemon, pals, uh, like a boss. You've been fighting down bosses. You've been making bases and growing out your world. How's your experience over there? And are you playing anything else as well? <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> for a while, I was on a StarCraft two kick. Um, playing through Love the campaign, it. doing co-ops. Uh, I was even playing Heroes of the Storm again. No, uh, you did not. Dead, dead serious. Dead serious. My first game back, Joey, I got MVP. Wow. On, on Tassadar. I was tearing it up. I needed a uh, screenshot that on the I have a screenshot. List. Actually, you know what? Hold on, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find a screen. You know what? <coughs> I'm gonna post it in Discord, Joey. I'm gonna send it to you and, and I'll post it in there. But I did take a <laughs> screenshot because I couldn't even believe it. Um but yeah. Uh, and I'll show you the game history, too, from the logs to prove it. Uh, but, yeah, I was playing that for a bit. Um, and then when Pal World dropped, uh, a couple of my friends were talking about them playing it. I was like, oh, yeah, wait. Before I buy it for a reasonably priced $29.99 on Steam, not $80, it's on Xbox Game Pass. So I just downloaded that version for free because, you know, Game Pass. Um the only issue is it's not cross-platform yet. Mm -hmm. They are working on that. It will be cross-platform. But as of right now, Xbox can only play with Xbox and PC on Xbox. Uh, Steam cannot play with Xbox at this moment, but it is coming. Um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Joey, three days ago, they finally got the quit game button on their home menu, hey. which was kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> we were literally like looking there. We're like, how do we? exit the game and i was just like oh, windows tab closed like that's, that's yeah i don't know if you got this vibes but i kind of thought of like i don't know if you guys are into anime at all but sword art online where you go in and yes. you just can't log out at the end i'm like <laughs> how do i get out of this game am i stuck in here thankfully i'm not wearing a vr headset right uh, uh but no like uh it, it reminds me a lot of arc the the whole survival mm -hmm. mode of it building your base um collecting resources uh, the big thing here is the pals you capture all have traits that they can uh, used to assist you. I'm going to use the word assist <laughs> on your farm. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like they're assisting, but it, low key they are. Um, but you know, some of them get moody. Some of them throw temper tantrums, which is, I think is kind of funny. Um, but like they'll help you gather lumber, stone, uh, ore. Uh, it's, it's really, really cool and, and really helps make base building go quick. Um, but yeah, if, if you like survival games like Ark uh, and you like how like the talent tree works in that and you like how you know you have the base building, but you also are a fan of, of wanting to catch them all, if you will, um, it's a really, really cool hybrid. I have a lot of fun with it. The map is huge. Uh, you have mounts. You have flying mounts. You have ground mounts. Uh, I don't know if there's water mounts yet. I haven't gotten that far. I didn't venture into the water too much. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, this game just checks off a lot of boxes. It's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. And Joey, uh, it gets my seal of approval for um, wasting time. Uh, I was playing last night, and I looked at my clock, and I saw it was ten. And I was like, "Okay, cool. I'll hop off at ten forty-five." Trying to be the responsible person that I am, knowing that I have work the next day. Joey, I, I looked back at the clock what felt like was maybe 30 minutes later. It was 1230. <laughs> I completely got lost in the game. Uh, so, yeah, 
it's a good game. I, I'm I'm really really enjoying it. I really hope Nintendo does not sue them. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that all plays out. We didn't really touch on that, but the Pokemon Company has made a statement that they have been made aware of a game that may be using similar likenesses to their Pokemon IP. It's such a Nintendo um, response. It, it is Nintendo Pokemon Company like. Uh, they've had their fair share of criticism over the years, and they didn't really do much about it because Pokemon is just such a giant IP, and Nintendo has so many users on their console. And I think this, hopefully, will be somewhat of a wake-up call. I, I don't really see this going too far, right? Like, I don't know, maybe they have to ch- change the shape of the little Pokeball-looking things. Maybe they have to change a few of the likenesses of the pals in the game. Um, but I don't see this really shutting down the project altogether because it is so different uh, with those arc survival aspects that you don't really see at all in Pokemon so I think the baseline is different enough that Pokemon doesn't really have a huge place to stand. Uh, even if some of the models do look similar, I think that would be the biggest change we would see. Um, with that being said, Power World is a ton of fun. It's available on Game Pass, uh, available to purchase as well on Xbox consoles and Steam. Go play it. Go check it out. It is definitely a really cool game with a really cool roadmap as well. Uh, a lot of promising things coming from PvP battles um, to straight-up PAL battles uh, to a lot of other nice um system enhancements like john mentioned with crossplay coming to steam and xbox in the future as well and maybe eventually seeing the game go to other platforms like playstation and nintendo too um, but for now we'll continue to support that game continue to play through it uh, and continue to keep an eye on the industry for you guys so we can report back every thursday around 8 p.m on twitch um john with that being said i think we can go ahead and wrap up today's show uh guys thanks for sticking with us i know this was not the happiest of shows um, but hopefully we gave you a nice little rundown of the state of the industry some of the concerns we have, some of the things we are hearing this month, as well as some of those positives or ways to change as we continue moving forward as a gaming industry of developers and gamers. Well, Nation, put down your depresso espresso because we are done with this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review if your podcatcher allows the Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up, and we would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways you can reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head over to X and Facebook and find us at OTN Media. You can also find us on Insta and Threads at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a Twitch Prime sub while they still exist over here on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. Uh, we have a number of streams throughout the week. Sometimes some Fire Emblem, sometimes some Arc Knights, sometimes some nice wide variety of maybe some RTS in the future. Uh, if we bring back some Age of Empires or StarCraft, but also level up typically Thursday nights around 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, make sure you tune in next week, Thursday, February the 1st. As we continue to cover the latest in gaming news, do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment and pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. up.